Welcome to Humans in Public Health. I'm Megan Hall. A little over a year ago, you probably didn't think about the way germs spread in a grocery store. But now, we're all amateur epidemiologists. The pandemic has made public health more visible than ever before. But it's always been there in the background. It touches all aspects of our lives, from the design of our cities to the food we feed our kids. For National Public Health Week, Brown University's School of Public Health is offering you a glimpse into everything that public health means and all that it can do. Today, we're talking about education and outreach. What would you do if you needed to spread an important health message or start a wellness program in the community? Brown School of Public Health's Dr. Amy Nunn says one answer is partner with Black churches. And sometimes in public health, we forget to work with um, some of the institutions that are most central to helping people. And uh, Black churches have a really important uh, role to play, I think. We know that African-Americans are more likely to practice in religious services. They're also more likely to report that spirituality plays a role in their daily life. And I think when we know that, it affects the way that we engage with folks. And I think there's public health opportunity to harness the good things about faith and spirituality for public health good. And that's what we've tried to do. Amy Nunn has been working with hundreds of Black churches in Mississippi to develop health and wellness programs related to fighting HIV. So how do you build trust with a church? I imagine you don't just call them on the phone and say, hey, let's do a partnership together. Um, well, I use the by hook or by crook method. So if I have an in, I have an in I'll use that in. If not, I'll just ring them up or I'll go worship with them. That's the best way. It's just show up at church. And ask for an introduction that way um, if you don't know anyone. Um, I never had any trouble building trust. I don't think uh, maybe because I approach it with humility and introduce myself. Hey, Pastor, I'm interested in how you think we should uh, tackle this problem. And then when you do it that way uh, and get people's advice rather than telling them what to do, then it usually works pretty well. Amy says because of this approach, the partnerships are different at every church. We often think about, quote, the black church. You know, that was nomenclature that was used during the civil rights movement. But I think now I don't usually talk about black churches in monolithic terms and they're all different. And so the way that we've done this is to go to every single church that we work with and to work with each pastor and each congregation and each health ministry, church by church, and respond to what they think is important for their congregation and to take our public health messages to their congregations in a way that makes sense for them. But after having a lot of conversations with churches, a few themes did emerge. What I heard from pastors is that they were willing to do HIV prevention. They need some resources and some talking points. They need things that work for them. So we developed a church bulletin. There's just a little insert that can go into the church bulletin or the schedule of the church service. We have developed and trained people that go out and do testing um, at church health fairs. We've also developed some curricula that can be used uh, for educational trainings at Bible study. And then one of the things that we did that was difficult for me was to take the themes that came out of our focus group for the way that pastors felt comfortable talking about HIV and then put scripture around it. But basically it was culturally tailored HIV prevention messaging. And we found that that works. So we give kind of a menu of things that we do. And then if pastors ask to do something else, we usually try to accommodate them. This work also extends beyond churches. Amy says she draws on Brown University's relationship with Tougaloo, 
a historically black college in Mississippi. We actively work with Tougaloo on a lot of different disparities initiatives, including this one, but also with training other black scholars. I really think that training black scholars is the way out of the HIV pandemic because solutions for communities should be led by people from those communities. And we need to create a, a pipeline of black scholars and black leaders do you, do you ever think that you want to eventually replace yourself, that someone leading this initiative should be a person of color? That would be my dream. Absolutely. Based on all of your experience doing this HIV work, what have you learned that can be applied to the efforts to encourage people to get tested for COVID, wear masks, and get the vaccine? especially in the Black community where there's understandable apprehension about the medical system because of a long history of racism and unethical research. There is all this discussion about vaccine denialism and vaccine hesitancy in the African-American community. I think that there's some of that, but I think it's overstated. Like when we talk to pastors, they want to get back to church. They want to get vaccinated. They want to get tested. They want everyone in the congregation to get tested and they want everyone to get vaccinated. So I think a lot of that has been overblown. And some of it is just bad stereotypes about black people that we need to tackle. The truth is a lot of people have more limited access to health services. So I think there is some vaccine hesitancy, but I'm not sure that we see the same alarming racial disparities for hesitancy that we see for infection. And those two things have been conflated because I've had nothing but affirmation and positive response about COVID from our pastors. So you feel like we say that the hesitancy is happening, but actually it's the disparity of getting the vaccines to the African-American community, that that's more what's happening. Right. And I think if we had mass vaccination campaigns at churches and put our money behind that and gave pastors talking points and told them to get people out like we expect them to get out the vote, that they would absolutely do it because they want to get back to church. People in the community that we work with, a lot of them are terrified to leave the house because they see that people in their community are dying at alarming rates and getting sicker because they are disproportionately affected with other chronic diseases that put them at higher risk for COVID versus, you know, you see these anti-masking campaigns, you know, those are mostly being led by white people. I don't think that I have heard a single African-American talk about the fact that they don't want to wear a mask. In fact, they're often offended by the fact that these mask mandates have been lifted because their communities are the ones who are most likely to bear the brunt and the blowback of the you know, pandemic rebound. So I feel strongly about that and think that we need to have more vigorous scientific dialogue about it and bring some of those community leaders to the table to debunk a lot of those myths. What do you think the next three months will look like for you in your partnerships with these churches as we're trying to get the vaccine out? Well, we're trying to do a big media blitz in Mississippi in partnership with the health department where we get a lot of black churches involved in vaccination ramp up. And I think, you know, there are some people who are never going to get vaccinated because they've never been vaccinated for anything. I don't think it's worthwhile to spend a lot of time on those people because they may never be convinced. I think it's people at the margin who think that they might want to just wait. And so we're trying to educate those folks, but also to encourage uh, state health departments to work more closely with churches and to be a resource for facilitating those conversations and those big uh, vaccination campaigns. Great. Well, good luck with all of that really important work. And thank you for joining me today, uh, Dr. Amy Nunn. Thank you. 
Dr. Amy Nunn is a professor of public health and medicine at Brown University. She is also the executive director of the Rhode Island Public Health Institute. You've been listening to Humans in Public Health, a special series for National Public Health Week. Humans in Public Health is brought to you by Brown University School of Public Health. This episode was mixed by Carolyn Claflin. I'm Megan Hall. Talk to you tomorrow.